0: Welcome, Perfect Stranger. My name is Valérie. I see myself as a nomad with deep roots. I'm fascinated by our cultural differences and at the same time by what we all have in common. The more I meet people from diverse backgrounds, the more I learn about myself and the world. In this podcast, I would like to give you the opportunity to experience it by stepping in somebody else's shoes for a moment. Hello! Today I'm interviewing Amanda. She teaches Chinese language and culture to children, and she is also a consultant for adults. She will share with us what she learned by being a newcomer in many countries throughout her life.
1: I am the person who's from outside, so I want to know as much as I can in this new culture.
0: And give us some tips to teach our own culture and language to our children while being abroad.
1: So I think parents really are playing such an important role in providing the rich culture and the language to their kids. Don't be alone. You know, have Mm -hmm. the community to do it with you because it's more fun. If they are in a mainstream culture and everybody is speaking English and learning the mainstream community culture, it is hard if they are so different. One day he basically came home from school and he told me, mom, I will not speak Mandarin to you anymore. No more Chinese. He said, because everybody is speaking English, you are the only one who is speaking Mandarin.
0: So, are you ready to listen to her? Hello, Amanda. Welcome to Perfect Strangers podcast. Thank you. It's, I'm looking forward to this. So my first question would be, why did you decide to become a Chinese culture and language consultant?
1: I actually grew up in a, and then her friends would speak a two, three, four different kinds of Chinese dialects or languages. Oh. So that was all very interesting. And food-wise, also, because China is so big, and I grew up with the Taiwanese food, the Chinese food, the spicy kind of food. is uh, from Sichuan, that's where my grandmother is from, and then also Hunan is also another kind of spiciness kind of food. And the, my grandmother's friends are from Shanghai, Shandong, all different provinces, so... I think maybe I grew up actually with different cultures, but when I was younger, I didn't know, but I was very fascinated with it. And later on, when I studied international communications and I came to the States and studied international communications and bilingual education in Texas, I had opportunity to teach the overseas Chinese kids Mandarin, which means those kids, they have the Chinese heritage, but they were born in the U.S. And their parents wanted them to learn Mandarin Chinese. That was a very fascinating experience for me. And I see the needs of the intercultural communication, not just cross-culture, but like to understand the cultures inside of cultures and try to connect with each other, not just from the children's point of view for these American-born Chinese kids, but also for myself as an international student in the U.S. How do I connect with the community culture?
0: So how do you teach a culture while teaching a language?
1: That's um, that's very interesting, right? Because actually language is part of a culture. As we speak the language, we're also learning the culture, even though we're just speaking the language. For example, just like milk. Well, in the Chinese culture, most people, when I was growing up, I think most people were drinking soy milk. And the milk is something kind of very precious. You had to order it and they deliver to your house with the glass bottles. And then when I came to the States, yes, everybody, you know, would have milk at that time. But at the same time, I was given the cold milk. But when my mother came to the States to visit, visit me, she wanted to heat it up because she thinks it should be warm. Everything should be warm in the morning. So see, the, just one milk can bring something very cultural from, you know, the Chinese culture, things should be warm, you know, um, it's better for you to eat in the morning. And in the American culture, we'll have the cereals with the cold milk and it is okay. So that's something very interesting to talk about. And from just one word that we can link or connect to different kind of uh, cultures and then discuss about it. I think that's why it is so fun.
0: You describe the diversity of your Chinese heritage, and I guess your students also come from different regions. So do you find common things in the different culture that you can teach through the language?
1: Yes, I think no matter what language i teach no matter uh, i was teaching english to chinese kids or i am to uh, i'm teaching Ch- mandarin chinese to kids either here in the states or when i was in morocco or uh, my last um, place was uh, in ecuador i think the kindness is something very important we all want to be respected it's not just from the language but from how we behave, how we connect with each other. But at the same time, even before we start talking, our smile actually delivers a kind of communication. And sometimes because they're new to the language, I think the most important thing I try to communicate with them, just be kind. I think that is something we do when we sing songs, when we play with each other. And then when we sing, I think we use that to, to communicate and connect with kids. But what we all need is, you know, to be kind, smile and respect others. I think that's always the first thing I try to uh, deliver to the children.
0: So in a way, you teach universal communications value to these children, something they can use wherever they go or whatever their language
1: absolutely i think i remember my neighbor actually i'm going to tell you a story about a neighbor my first neighbor actually i met when i first moved to ecuador in south america she saw the big trucks you know delivered the, the furniture and everything so i think the next day she came and rang the bell and she literally she doesn't speak any english and uh, i yeah, i was new to the spanish uh, language uh, had a very limited Spanish, but she was able to, you know, kind of let me know that like she wanted to invite me over for a coffee. Uh, yeah, coffee sounds like coffee in, in Chinese, English, in all languages, I believe. And um, I say, sure, because she's so kind with such a big smile. So I went with my kids and uh, her daughter also, you know, has very t- limited English, and my daughter and son, they are new to the Spanish language. We stayed there for the whole hour. And I was trying to use as much <laughs> Spanish I, I could to communicate with my neighbor. But her kindness and how sweet she was really kind of connected us. And then we became very good friends
0: just because of that. You know, it makes so much sense that everywhere you lived, you were able to connect with people thanks to your kindness and openness.
1: Right. I think a lot of times the misunderstanding could be we have a story and we think other people think that way. But a lot of times I think it's just like the way of how we represent ourselves, body language, you know, our facial expressions. I think they're all very important because that's all a way to communicate with other people, no matter with the spoken words or without the spoken words.
0: That's very true. The body language is also very important and the way you look at people.
1: I think that's very true, especially when we move to a new country where we are very self-aware of the environment and maybe we're a little bit afraid or very, very hesitant to the new environment. So we're learning about the new place. So think about that when you see a new neighbor in the new community, I think we do need to make some efforts to make them feel comfortable, and I think a big smile
0: is the universal language. I had the chance to see your smile. It's a wonderful smile. (laughs) Thank you. You told me about going with an American company to main China and feeling that there was a cultural gap that you didn't foresee. Can you tell me more about that?
1: Yes. What I have seen during my experience of working in China for my business trips, I think a lot of times because knowing the language is one thing and knowing the culture can be another thing so how do we combine both It's something very important the Chinese culture is very big on respect and then sometimes um, maybe you know the person who's senior you need to talk in a way that is uh, polite and very polite because you respect the experience and then also the uh, seniority so their experience is something very valuable. And it is like the, in the Chinese culture, just like the parents. You respect your, your parents, and then obedience is something very important. And then if they are grandparents, then you will see your parents will respect your grandparents. And mm-hmm. that's as a one generation to the ne- next generation. So for the culture, when doing business in China, I think that is also something very important. If you understand the culture, so when you go in to present a proposal, you will understand who you're talking to and how can you work with the counterpart in the Chinese community, how to communicate with them. They're all very nice, but I think if you understand how to communicate and how to show your respect, that will make things easier. And in another sense, is I think it's not just for the Chinese culture. If you go to other cultures, I think that will actually be very similar. If you will look inside, we'll see, wow, actually these things actually work very well. So we're so different, but we're so
0: similar at the same time. During your career, you have had to prepare people to go to China and give them advice. Can you tell me more? Absolutely.
1: So I came to the States and then I trained business professionals in the Chinese uh, language and also culture uh, areas. So to prepare them to have their business trips to Taiwan or to China. And a lot of times, of course, you know, the language wise, it takes a longer time to to really have uh, acquired the language. But the understanding is a lot of times when we just speak some or very basic language of the host country, like greetings and some of the culture aspect, you understand. I think when you go, that will make your trip pay more smooth because you understand how to connect with your counterpart. Because when I train them, I help them not just with the language, but I also come to give them the tips that they can use when they go to China or Taiwan. And that is a very interesting.
0: What would you say it's the most difficult thing to explain to people coming to China or Taiwan?
1: I think one common thing is yes sometimes means no. <laughs> <laughs> I say yes, 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 but then actually it's a no. In front of you, they will say yes, yes. And then you will never hear back to them. So Mm -hmm. actually it's a no, So, but it's very hard in the ancient culture to say no in front of a person. So it's a part of the culture that is very different. So in the Western culture, a no is a no. And yes, it's a yes most of the time. But in the Asian culture, especially for Chinese culture, sometimes people will say yes, but actually it's a no. And you want to figure it out. It'll take you some time to figure out. So, oh, actually it means no. But why? It's because Also because the language, when we say uh, yes, it can be shi. That means yes. But there are also there are many, many ways to say yes. Like, do you want to eat this? And then you say, yao. So this I want. So actually just one yes, the word yes in Chinese can have all different ways to express that. And I think then when you connect the culture with the language and then you start to understand maybe you can go further. So do you want it? So you need to be very specific and ask that question. Is your yes means you want it or you are still going to think about it? So it's how you phrase it. It's kind of a language way to give them face because a face is something important, which means you want that person feel proud of what they're doing. But sometimes they are also in a difficult situation in business dealing, but you need to let them have a way to say no, but you need to make them feel comfortable. And also they need to feel safe to say that. So that's the skill that I always try to communicate with my students or the business professionals that are working with me.
0: How do you translate that with your children? Their father is American and you don't live in Asia. So how do you transmit the Chinese culture?
1: Yeah, that's a very interesting question, actually. I think what I'm doing here with my own kids, they're a little older, they're teenagers right now. I tell them a lot of stories, the stories when I was growing up. I also um, tell them a lot of stories of the stories that my parents told me, even though I never got a chance to meet my grandparents on my father's side. But my father actually has told me many stories about his father. And I consider that family values, and that can be very different from other people's family values. But Chinese culture is based on the Confucianism, which is kindness is something very important. Education is very important. On a day-to-day life, even though I don't say, hey, we do this, we do that. But I think from what I do and what I do with my kids, the stories I tell them, like we've been doing this uh, Lunar New Year celebration with the community for the past, I would say, 14 years, the end of my kids, they started with being a part of the participant in the program I created, to now they can go to the library with me and be my helpers. And I think they see that and then we can share the Chinese culture with other kids who actually have no Chinese language background and they have no Chinese culture background. But they are interested to know how the Chinese people celebrate the Lunar New Year, the Chinese New Year. And when I tell stories, every time when I go to do this kind of programs in the libraries, no matter if it's in the school libraries or public libraries, or even when I was overseas in other countries, I do it. I think I see the connection. That is the curiosity. So I think my kids see that as something important to them. And those things are important to them because We try to help others to understand us and then uh, learn about the Chinese culture so my kids actually learn at the same time. So it is the day-to-day life, the stories, and the programs, and then how I behave when I uh, work with my kids. Does that make sense to you? Yes. I probably would like to expand a little bit. It's not easy to have the two languages, you know, or, or two cultures in the family, and then you live in another culture. A very interesting story is when my son was about seven years old, we, we moved back to the States, and then one day he basically came home from school and he told me, Mom, I will not speak Mandarin to you anymore. No more, no more Chinese. I was like, okay, and he said, because everybody is speaking English, you are the only one who's speaking Mandarin. I was surprised and not surprised at the same time. And then my daughter was a little bit younger. So I said, okay, well, you can speak English to me, but I'm going to keep speaking Mandarin to you. And I'll keep doing Chinese playtime with uh, with your younger sister. So, you know, of course I try to make every day the, the Chinese time a lot of fun. One day we were throwing the marshmallows, doing that in Chinese. And then my son was, you know, approaching me and then walk away and approaching me and I walk away. Then finally he came over and said, okay, okay, I think I'll speak Mandarin because can I play? I want to play and I want to speak Chinese. <laughs> and then he came back. He came back and he said, he decided he can speak Mandarin to me again. So I think it is really how we create the stage and create an environment for them. If it's fun, I think it's hard to resist.
0: (laughs) That's a great pedagogical lesson you give. Make learning your mother tongue fun, no pressure, so that then your children don't refuse to speak it.
1: i I think if it's fun they will be curious why it is so interesting why it is so fun i want to learn more because if they are in a mainstream culture and everybody is speaking english and learning the mainstream community culture it is hard if they are so different and then how can we extend this to other kids so actually that's why when my kids were younger i um actually established a Mandarin program in their preschool. And they also then brought the language to their elementary school. So I was teaching the whole kindergarten Mandarin. I was teaching the whole first grader Mandarin. And suddenly it's not just one child learning Mandarin, but the whole 100 something students. That made a big impact on my kids. And I think that is, I was very, I'm always very grateful for the wonderful principals and directors of the school you know, led me to organize this kind of programs and let all the kids, you know, uh, be able to be exposed to, to Mandarin Chinese and the Chinese culture. And then I think you might be interesting to know this, since I have been doing this uh, a Lunar New Year uh, celebration, no matter where I went. So I actually, when I can, I always in, invite other parents to participate. And I have Norwegian parents came to help <laughs> in the Chinese Lunar New Year celebration. A Vietnamese parents, um, a Japanese, a Korean, Thai, Portuguese. Because it's not actually just a Lunar New Year celebration. For me, this program I created is a global education program. So it's it's a new year. But I invited all the parents who want to share their A new year traditions with us, no matter where they're from. And that was so wonderful to see all the parents came and to share their little stories about how they celebrated their new year back home. And I think kids actually learned so much, not just about the Chinese culture, but other cultures, how they celebrated their new year, the special food to eat, or how many grapes you need to have before 12 o'clock. It was really fascinating. So I think the parents really are playing a such an important role in providing the rich culture and the language to their kids. But not just don't be alone. You know, have mm-hmm. the community to do it with you because it's more fun. Together is better.
0: Yeah, I think it's great that you involve the whole community because that way children learn things from each other, culture, and then when they grow up, they will be more tolerant. Yes. Amanda, I have a last question. You have lived in many different countries. You have been an expat for a long time. I know you live in the US. And I wanted to know if you feel at home here, and if yes, why? What's important for you to feel at home?
1: I think for me, right now, I'm home wherever I am. And I think that's very important. For me, as a family, we relocated many times. But when I was an international student, I actually felt like home while I was in Austin. And I think the way I look at it at the time then, and the way I look at it now, is that I am the person who's from outside. I am the newcomer. So I want to know as much as I can in this new culture. It doesn't mean that I need to agree with everything but I think it's important for me to understand a lot of things in the new culture, the way they do things, the way they work. So I think I always felt I was very lucky when I was in Austin. I had a lot of wonderful professors And also TAs who helped me because, you know, as an international student, my English definitely was not as good as the native English speakers. And then sometimes, you know, I couldn't be able to to understand a lot of things because of the cultural literacy. But I also felt like they gave me something very important is their kindness. As soon as they knew that I was an international student, they opened their arms and say, "Hey, please feel free to come to the office hours so we can help you. You know, any questions? Please, we will be very happy to help you." They made me feel like home. They did because they were so kind to me and I remember one professor <laughs> I say I'm having a really hard time to understand you know some of the things you talk about not the words I don't understand but when I put all the words together I, I just don't get it he look at me he said it's okay because you're new here and you are studying communications and if you look at the 400 kids in the classroom there there's probably less than one percent they are international students So he said, go home, watch TV. That became my homework and I'm serious. And my two American born Chinese roommates look at me every day when I was having dinner I would be sitting there watching either the news or, or some shows and they were like, what are you doing? I thought you were going to study. I say, yeah, but my professor said I should watch TV every day for half an hour or 45 minutes. And I think I got to know the host country culture more. And then I learned that when I go into a new culture, I need to be respectful and I need to understand as much as I can about that culture. And don't feel offended if something is so different from what I do, because that's the way they do it. That's their norm. I am the one need to understand. Even when things get very difficult, when I look at it that way, I need to think about Well, their way is the norm, and I am the one who think it's a little bit different, but how can I look at it in a different perspective? And that always helps.
0: Thank you, Amanda. I enjoyed interviewing you, and I wish you all the best with your Chinese school. Before I let you go, maybe we could learn uh, one Chinese word? Yes, definitely. Thank you. Thank you, in Mandarin. It is xie xie.
1: Xie, xie beautiful and then definitely we'll say see you again because see you again or goodbye in Mandarin is zai jian,
0: zai jian. beautiful <laughs>